Nuno sacked and Conte in, but can Tottenham save their season with a managerial change? Spurs are basically a dumpster fire, but hey, at least they're Carabao Cup quarterfinalists. Elsewhere in the league, West Ham and Arsenal continue their run of good form, and Wolves have quietly shut out the table into seventh. We down here in the Rat Tail Bunker in Barbershop Studio, and this is the Boys and Bolos Podcast. Welcome back to the Boys and Bolos Podcast. I'm down here in the Rat Tail Bunker, and Jared is uh, in a faraway land. Uh, I don't exactly know where he is. Well, actually, I do, but I don't know exactly where he is. I couldn't find him if I went looking, but he's he's out there. I think you should try to go looking. Just like get Jenna and the kids, put them in the new key van, and just go looking. He could be. He. I mean, he says he's in Colombia, but he he could be in Beverly. Who, for all I know. I could really, you know, that's really true. I, I just get dropped off at the airport, and then I come back after a certain amount of time, and I say I'm in Colombia, but I don't really put up a lot of pictures. You're not exactly like an Insta. You're not like advertising on Instagram. You're not flexing very hard on it. Yeah, I've turned down my influencer life a lot recently. So, but anyway, the Premier League, it's happening, Jeff. What are your thoughts? Are you excited about it? No, I've. I think I'm going to take a little hiatus from the Premier League. <laughs> like maybe we'll in the stop the podcast for two years, maybe. I'm going to go away. I'm, I'm going to renounce my Tottenham Hotspur fandom, and I'm going to find a new team. I'm going to go on a vision quest to find a new team. And then I'll come back on the other side, and people will have to wonder what team I like. And maybe it'll be like, I don't know, maybe I'll be come out the other side as like a, uh, I don't know, West Ham fan or something. Ugh. I don't think that that's how your vision quest would go. No, it would be like maybe, I don't know, what, who do you think, what, what other team do you think I might support? Well, I was going to ask, like, does your vision quest include, is it just soccer and, or slash football teams? Or are you going to come back and be, like, super into, like, women's volleyball or something? Oh, maybe I'll just, like, discover a different sport. Yeah, exactly. Like, the way man discovered fire, you're like, whoa, this is really cool. I like that. I like, I'm open to any possibility at this point after watching Spurs play Man United last weekend. <laughs> it was pretty depressing. So zero, shot, zero shots on goal. Kane was invisible. Uh, they subbed off Mora for Bergwin, and it was a very, very interesting decision that might have been the uh, the linchpin of uh, the straw that broke the camel's back uh, for Nuno getting fired. But I think that's what we're talking about. Is that what we're going to talk about right now? Yeah, well, I mean, we, we could talk about that. I, I think the Nuno firing is an interesting one. I don't know if they gave him enough time, but at the same time, Within the same breath, I also realized that if they continue to give him more time, things could actually get worse, and Tottenham need to finish as high up the table as they possibly can. But I don't really think it's Nuno's fault, per se. I just honestly like kind of put this some of it on Harry Kane. His numbers last year in the first 10 games were unreal. He and Son were just taking over the Premier League, and this year, as you said, he was invisible. And Son does a lot of work, but I think you said it last year, and I think it's a really great analysis. Son without Kane is not that good. He's a strong player, but he's not that good. And so if Kane's not firing, then Son isn't firing. And then you basically have two out of your top three going forward are kind of just, they're not really bringing much to the table. So for me, it's like, it's not just Nuno. I I think there are bigger things. But with that said, I think in the context of it, Man United spend more money. Man United have a guy who's probably top two, top three, some people's top five, some people's best player or greatest player of all time, their GOAT on the other team. And you have Bruno Fernandes, who's been one of the best players over the Premier League for a long time, who now can give the ball to this guy. So I think in the context, it's just really, really bad timing for Spurs to have played 
Ole in this United team, but it was called not the El Clasico. It was called like the El Sacchio because we knew whoever lost this game, and if it were by a large margin, two goals or more, that that coach is probably going to be let go. So for me, it's not so much that Nuno, like I don't, I guess I just don't put a lot of weight on Nuno. I think it's Levy, and I think Spurs have to be a little bit more open about spending more money. I agree. There's not much more to say. I, I, I think it's there's a lot of equal blame to go around, right? Maybe more blame on Levy than on the players and the manager, especially the manager, because no any manager that was going to come in was doomed to fail, especially the fifth choice manager after not having anybody appointed for like I don't know several months after sacking Mourinho, but they never really gave Mourinho a chance. Uh, he was playing his style of football, which is park the bus style uh and people were getting sick of it and then they started losing so that was that for him the reason why pochentino uh got fired is because he couldn't turn water into wine forever uh he wasn't given any transfer budget and basically told to just make do and so after i mean even before the whole champions league run they didn't really get they weren't bringing in new players they were just kind of riding out this the success of Delhi, the success of Kane, the success of Mora, and then not reinforcing the team, not spending any money in the, in the transfer season, not getting rid of any old, any players that were either like the Winxes and the, and the Davieses and, you know, actually the, who actually had value then and definitely don't have much value now, but they weren't getting rid of dead weight. And so, I mean, Levy needs to shoulder some of the blame and for them i read some tweets some really interesting tweets uh, over the past 24 hours that the top brass at tottenham never really realized or fully grasped how bad it was or how much the fans hated watching this type of football until all the booing in the in the tottenham hotspur stadium and it surprised them like i don't know how like i could definitely sense just via Twitter and via social media that there was a growing discontent over the way that this Spurs team is playing just because of their statistics and for the you know top people at Spurs to then not even realize it until that day at the game is is telling you know it's they assume obviously that because the, there's people packing the stadiums because people are buying the jerseys because I don't know the club is profitable that people are happy with this type of football i just don't there's like some big disconnect between the board and what the fans want and that's very clear i mean by the board's probably assessment levy's doing a great job because the, the club's profitable to bring money to the stadium and they're not in debt like all these other clubs i mean there's nothing to be said for that i mean that's they're running it as a business it's fine but i mean they should be about wanting to win win football games and they're not winning football games and they don't play a very attractive style of football a lot of people don't want to watch this team play I didn't even turn the game on because I knew it was going to be bad I saw the lineup I looked at the lineup I saw <laughs> I saw Regulon uh out of the starting 11 for Davies and I saw Lo Celso in there and I was like oh they're gonna lose now we're definitely gonna lose no I mean no Ndombele and no Regulon Regulon makes one mistake and he's subbed out Dyer gets to play every week from being bonehead plays in the box on set pieces. It's just, it's unbelievable that this continues to happen. And so I didn't even put the game on. I was just like, this isn't even worth watching. And I was right. So that's that's my thoughts. 
think there's blame to be shared and uh, bringing a new coach. If you don't back him with some kind of transfer budget, you're there. That's going to be in this. You're going to be in the same position come May and June. You know, it's interesting that you say that they haven't really changed the core that took them to the 2019 Champions League final, and I completely agree. That team, the way they played against Manchester United was pretty much indicative of the way that well, it was very similar to the way that they played that final, which was very reactive. They were never on the front foot, and they never tried to really take the game by the scruff of the neck, for lack of a better analogy. They were very passive, because that United team isn't really great. I mean, the first, the, the, you know, Ronaldo's goal is a world-class finish from an inch-perfect ball out of the midfield from Bruno Fernandes. And there's only a couple of players on the planet that can put that ball in the way that Bruno Fernandes did, and there's only a couple of players on the planet that are going to finish that as well as Ronaldo did. So it's like, they. I, I felt like Spurs had a real opportunity here to go out and win, but in order to do that, you, they had to just go out and act like it was a final, like we have to win this or nothing else. And it was kind of like, once they got a goal down, shoulders slug, shrugged, the booze happened at halftime. It was just kind of like the air was just taken out of the stadium. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens because when Antonio Conte came to Chelsea, the season before we had finished 10th, we ended up winning the title with him from 2016 to 2017, 2017 season. And people said, I remember at that time, all of the chatter was that when he came into training for the preseason, he basically just whipped the crap out of everybody. Like he made them run as though they were like high school freshmen. And a lot of the, some of the senior players weren't really into it, but they had to get on board or they just weren't going to play. And there were other players that were just kind of, you know, maybe not at the same physical level. Like Eden Hazard's not one to train. He's never wanted to train. It's been his biggest downfall at Real Madrid. It's why he's going to go for sale even in this January transfer window. And I think Spurs could even look at him because he's already worked under Conte or Newcastle will just try to splash some cash and get him off Real Madrid's books. That's another side for another thing. But the reason why people said Antonio Conte had so much success with Chelsea is because he had the players for a preseason where he basically ran them into the ground and he kind of extended his his dominance that way. And then when they started winning games, people were like, oh yeah, well, if we're more fit, we're going to do this. They also had N'Golo Conte that season, which was a huge help. So without having that preseason, and I think that type of kind of physical prowess that I think Conte likes his players to have, I don't know if coming in this kind of mid into the season hurts them. And I just go back to Levy, and not to beat a dead horse, but it's like, I think Conte was rumored to have been, you know, on the list of coaches this summer. It's like you should have just splashed whatever cash needed and done that because Spurs would probably be in a better place now and you wouldn't be firing a coach 10 games into the season or quarter into the season. So it's all, and I think Nader said it today on the, on the text, but it's, you know, penny-wise, dollar-foolish. It's, yeah, let's save some pennies today so we can be poor in the future. And unfortunately, with the game of football the way it is, you kind of have to spend. And one of the other points you hit, you hit, and I think you hit it nail, like straight on the head, is that, there's a huge disconnect right now from the fans and then the board and the technical direction of almost every single club on the planet. Um, now, I'm sure that there are clubs that maybe don't fit into what I've just said and people are like, oh, that's not true. My club is totally in touch and they do like pancake breakfast where you get to talk with the president. But most clubs are not like that. And we know that because the top 15, 16 clubs on the planet, as far as like not only market cap, but overall fan base, tried to literally break off and make their own league. Like they thought that, that fans were going to be okay with that. So moving forward, 
I don't know. I don't really know what's going to happen with Tottenham. I hope that they continue to play well. I think having Conte come in will be great. And as we've talked, I think he'll move him to a three-back because he'll be like, yeah, Dyer cannot be left alone to his own, to his own devices in a four-back. But let's move on unless you want to, you know, feel free to mention something. There's there only on one other thing. I mean, I, I am concerned about the 3-5-2 the that Conte will try to implement because I don't think Dyer can do it, honestly. I don't think Dyer can play on the left side of a three-back. I, I still think that that's too much for him. Uh, I I think Romero will will thrive in it, and I think that uh, Royale and Regulon will be given a lot more freedom to do to play the way they want to play, and that's the wing back roles, right? But I am concerned about you know Sanchez, Dyer, and Romero. I I think Romero likes to 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 come forward a little bit, and I don't know if like this team has the defensive capabilities to handle that. I. I also like Dyer is he's still for me just a he's like a a square peg in a round hole type of situation right he's a center defensive midfield playing center back because he can't play center midfield anymore and he wants to he wanted to play that he wanted to be on the English national team I guess or something I I don't really quite understand why he moved because he's slow now but anyway he's atrocious he's an atrocious uh, like box to box defender, especially on set pieces, and so I am worried. I am still worried that they're going to have a similar style of um, problem with defense uh, in in that three three five two system. Uh, but getting you know Sun and Kane up top as the two is probably the best uh, solution for making more creativity in the midfield with you know Ndombele sitting behind them. You know. I think that's probably going to be how it goes for the first couple games. I, I think he like is a much better like he's much better tactically than uh, than many other coaches in the in in the world actually, and so he will set them up and coach them, you know, as opposed to just kind of let the trying to let just a bunch of talented players out there run around and try to score goals, right? And so hopefully that's what he brings, just like some stability and like. You know structure to this team because they're not very good and so yeah we'll see how it goes I, I don't expect much uh in the first couple games I think it's going to take them a while I think this team doesn't do itself any favors by staying in these crappy competitions like conference league and the in the EFL cup you know and so they're playing midweek games so they have ne- never any like coherent training weeks it's always like these it's always getting interrupted by these crap games but uh, a lot of other teams are dealing with it too so I don't know. That's all my I got in Spurs. Keep keep going forward with the <laughs> rest of the league, but it's just yeah. It's yeah, just, let's a, uh, a shit show. Let's let's change gears a little bit. We're gonna do something that we did, uh, I think week four or five, and we're gonna do it again because I got a lot of people that reached out. Like Ellen liked it, and a couple other people who who listened to the pods that they enjoyed it. And put away your phone or whatever you're looking at, and I'm gonna ask you two teams, and you're gonna tell me which one's higher in the table, and. Uh, because I think we should do this every once in a while because sometimes you, you hear this if you're listening along and you're like, oh, shit, I didn't know that they were doing so well. So are you ready for this? I'm ready. Okay. Southampton and Brentford. Who's higher? Brentford. Brentford is higher. They're in 12th. Southampton's in 14th. Brentford's on 12 points. Southampton's on one. Nice. So you're one out of one. Last time, I think you went two out of five. It's yeah. not easy, but last time I think it was more difficult because the league was like kind of wild and 
There were teams way higher up that normally aren't. West Ham, Manchester United. After the, ooh, I guess West Ham won too. I'm going to say Manchester United. So West Ham's actually in fourth, and Manchester United's oh, in fifth. Shit. West Ham's on 20 points, and United's on 17. West Ham is playing very, very well. So one out of two. Uh, the next one is going to be Everton, Brighton Hove, Albion. Brighton Hove's better. Uh, it's further up. Yeah, sure. Brighton Hove's in eighth, Everton's in tenth, Brighton Hove's on sixteen, Everton's on fourteenth. So you are two out of five. Good job. The we'll go a little bit farther down the table. Uh, Newcastle, ooh, Newcastle and Burnley. Uh, I'm gonna go Newcastle. So Burnley's actually in eighteenth, and Newcastle's in nineteenth. Ah, oh, so two two out of four. You bastard. I know it sucks. <laughs> so this game is the, hard. This this shit's tough because the table's so wild. It's still so like you know it changes so much every week. Uh, the last one is going to be wait. So Newcastle haven't rocketed up the table once the ownership took over. Damn. No, like, even though they have, happen. even though they have like oil in their cleats now, they're not flying up the table. They have four <laughs> points out of ten games, which is brutal. That's oh, so rough. The last one is going to be Arsenal Wolves. I believe Arsenal are ahead of Wolves now. Arsenal is sitting in sixth on 17th, and Wolves is in seventh on 16th. So you went three out of five. Excellent job. For those of you listening at home, hopefully you did as well or better than Jeff. But yeah, this game is brutal because like West Ham's sitting on fourth, and they're tied with Man City. That's what I was going to give you, West Ham and Man City, because it would have rocked your world. But West Ham and Man City are tied, and the only difference is a five-point goal difference which makes sense because City have had some blowouts this season. But, like, West Ham – so is West Ham overachieving or have they had, like, easier game? Like, what's going on there? I actually don't think – because for me, I don't think they're overachieving. I think, actually, they're playing at their level. Um, I think as the season pans out and they have to play Chelsea again or, you know, when, when you play Chelsea – after they play Chelsea, Liverpool, City, United, Arsenal, Wolves, Tottenham, Leicester a couple times, the things will shake out and they'll probably finish 6th, 7th, or 8th. But they're really, really playing well. I don't know if they've had a like since I've been watching the Prem, which is about twenty years. I don't think I've seen West Ham have this start. I somewhat disagree with you. They beat a really bad Aston Villa team who was on a red card that had a red card this week. So yep. that's not. A, I mean, that Aston Villa team lost to Spurs too. They beat Spurs barely. Like they won one nothing. I mean, that game really should have ended. Like Fabianski had a bunch of freaking saves dude, in that game. That game should have been one one. And so, fine. They beat they beat Everton one nothing. They beat Brentford two to one. They beat Leeds two to one. They beat Man United in the EFL Cup. Uh, they lost to West Ham. They lost to Man United. They tied Southampton. Uh, they blew out Leicester, who also were on another game where the, the other team had a red card. They tied Crystal Palace. So no, I don't. I really, actually, don't think they're that good. What surprises me about, about West Ham is I thought that they were going to struggle more because they were playing your, uh, Europa League. 
Yeah, I, I, I think, I think it's it's kind of like what I said though that they're playing as they should in the sense that they're beating the teams that they should. They haven't really played a big team other than United. They haven't played Arsenal. They haven't played City. They haven't I don't played think Chelsea. They're, I don't they think they're Liverpool. overachieving though. I don't. Th- I think they're just achieving at their level given the t- given the teams they've played. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay, so so, but but you'll think that, but probably by the end of the season, even by week twenty, they'll probably be down somewhere near sixth or seventh or eighth as the cookie, you know, continues to crumble, and as they actually have to play teams with a lot of money in the field. Fifth and sixth, yeah. I Which think I they're think still really good. I think it's really good. I think they're at the pretty much the ex- they're they're gonna finish and they're gonna do it exactly how they did last season because they did. It's almost the exact same team, essentially. Yeah, it's it's an impressive thing, and Declan Rice looks really good. And I believe no he'll be on the move this possible summer. Possible cha- w- way that Declan Rice stays with West Ham if they don't make because cha- he wants to play Champions League, right? And so some team Champions League team is going to come knocking for him. So, I mean, he's been rumored with Chelsea for a long time. His dad's a season ticket holder. He grew up watching Chelsea. Chelsea's like super tied to him. I don't see how he doesn't go in the summer to Chelsea because our center midfields are holding midfields like Kovacic, who's been there for a while. He's still young, still really good, Conte. But these are guys we could also get off the books, balance the books, get a different look. And I think Declan Rice is just so much younger. And he's already like the holding midfielder for the English national team, homegrown type situation. I think it could be a good fit. But that team is very impressive. And Antonio on fantasy has been fire. Jeff, it's now not, time. Not as good as not as good as Salah. No, obviously Salah's king. I mean, I think Most Salah has like literally double the amount of points as like the next guy in fantasy. The next best guy. Yeah, he's on an unbelievable run of form. But it's actually time now, Jeff, that we talk about the other North London team, Arsenal, because they have shot up the table. And just like normal uh, pod lore, the more shit we talk about a team, the better they do. Because every week we basically have chosen them to tie or lose, per John Scheimer, the Boys and Bolos encyclopedia. And so this week I'm going to say that they win no matter who they play, and then we'll see what happens. But they're playing really well. And we originally both picked them eight or lower, I think. And were we wrong? Are they doing something that we're not seeing? Are they just getting a good roll of the dice? They also just beat a Leicester team, which, as we saw, you know, Leicester and beat West Ham beat them for one. Is Leicester just weak? Is Arsenal just good? Is it a combination of both? What's to you know? Is it because they're not playing in Europe? What are we giving? Like, what what are the reasons that Arsenal is playing so well? Or are they just actually a really good team and things are clicking? I mean, this Leicester team should have at least scored a goal in that I, I don't know where I don't know what was happening but for some reason Aaron Ramsdale had just played like out of his fucking gourd that game saving he had like eight saves or nine saves or something and there was one where he like there's one where he like diving across the face of the goal like one handed like like batted it away like it was crazy like he kept them in that game Aubameyang has been scoring that's been helpful uh Emile Smith-Rowe is one of the best midfielders in the game I mean Saka's obviously class uh the Tomiyasu is a good signing we all knew he was going to be good 
And uh, yeah, I mean, it's not like they had they play possession based game. They had thirty six percent of possession in that game against Leicester, and it's not like they they are like a defensive. I mean, like fortress. I mean, they give up a lot of shots. I mean, it's not. So I don't know what it is. I don't know. Maybe that that I wouldn't say that game was lucky because I mean Arsenal obviously are in some form, but I it's not playing midweek. Not playing midweek does help. I mean they're not. I mean they. I think they're out of the EFL, EFL Cup too, so they're not playing in Europe. They're not in the EFL Cup. They get to train a lot. They got Emil Smith Rowe. They got Aubameyang. They got some players. I mean, Ben White will find his way. I mean, he's not the best signing in my opinion, but yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I what do you mean by find his way? Like, is this like a Frodo to Mordor? What, what do you mean by this? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's. Uh, I think he'll get better. I don't you think, think he's that... he'll get better. That's what you say about your kid when he sucks at like some like so, like soccer. <laughs> yeah, he'll get better, honey. <laughs> I I wouldn't say any of their wins were that impressive to me. Maybe their win over Aston Villa, but like they should have won that game. And okay, they did win their EFL Cup game. They're still in the EFL Cup. My bad. Sorry, John. Uh, they tied <laughs> Crystal Palace. I mean, they beat Tottenham. That doesn't mean anything. Winning 3-1 to one against Tottenham, Tottenham doesn't mean shit to me. Like, it doesn't mean anything to me. They beat a Leicester team that really should have at least got a point out of that game. Ramsdale, like, stood in his head. And then what happened to Leno? Like, what happened to him? I, I, I just don't. They, they beat Burnley one nothing. They beat Norwich one nothing. You know? They got smacked down by Man City. They got smacked down by Chelsea. Brentford beat yeah. them. So I, I I don't know. I don't know. I think it's I still think it's like the jury's out on whether like Arsenal are legit. I agree that the jury's also out after going through their matches as you've been talking and you also going through them. Because they lost at home to Brentford, you know, first game of the season. Chelsea City smack them down. They beat Norwich only one nothing, a team that's already relegated essentially. They beat Burnley only one nothing, a team that's gonna be fighting for relegation. They beat Spurs, a team that's like in trouble. They tied Brighton Hove Albion, a better team. They tied Crystal Palace, a team that's been challenging. They did beat an Aston Villa team, but there was a red card. And then they beat a lesser team, which is also struggling. So, you know, when they play Liverpool, probably a loss. When they play United, probably a loss. When they play West Ham, good game. West Ham might be in better form. It doesn't mean that Arsenal doesn't win that game, though, because it's a derby. But we'll see. I, I do think that why don't we look ahead at this week, and I'm going to just like I said, I'm going to give my praises to Arsenal because I do think that they've been playing well and they've been winning games. And at the end of the day, when you look back, people don't really necessarily care how you played on week 10 or how you played on week 11. They're just worried about did you get the points or not. So going yeah, ahead I mean, they, beating the teams that they should, quote unquote, should beat is will keep Leicester. I mean, sorry, Arsenal beating the teams they should beat will keep them around sixth or seventh place. Losing some howlers against like a like an Everton, like a I don't know, like a Leeds, a Crystal Palace, a Wolves who are playing better. You lose, start losing those games that you should take points from or win. Then it's we start talking about ninth, tenth place, right? Because that's the game. Those are the games you should win. And right now, those they are beating those teams. They are beating the Aston Villas. They're beating the Leeds. You know, they got points at Brighton. They got points at Crystal Palace. Fine. I'm not going to, like, start saying... I'm not going to pr- praise Arsenal, per se, because it's 
still like so tight around that part of the table. Yeah, I think that's the thing too. Is that fair? Yeah. I mean, that is that fair? Is that yeah, fair, that's fair to say? I'm not like Yeah, that's fair. Okay. I I think that's a fair assessment. I don't want to sound Jack- like I don't want to sound like I'm like hating on Arsenal. I am I am a Spurs fan. I obviously don't like Arsenal because they're North London team and whatever, but I you know, if they, if they were like smashing City or smashing Chelsea, then that would that would be a completely different story, but it's not the case. That's the interesting thing too for me as a Chelsea fan because last year they did the double over Chelsea yet we finished way higher. And this year, we may do the double over them, but they may finish higher than they did last year. So yeah. that's just sure. kind of interesting. And that just comes down to the fact that I think, like you say, as long as, they keep to, as long as they keep winning the games they should win and are competitive in the games that are going to be difficult, then yeah, they're going to finish sixth or seventh. It's whether they have those howlers against Leicester, against Wolves, against Everton, against Crystal Palace, just as a Derby and Crystal Palace is annoying to play currently. If they get blown out and lose those games and make those difficult or start tying Norwich because they only beat them one nothing, then that's where you fall to ninth or 10th. And that's why the Premier League is so brutal. But looking ahead at the week coming up, we'll start with their game. I know it's on Sunday and then we'll work our way back, but I do believe that they will beat Watford. They're in a good run of form currently. And it's also at the Emirates. So I've got them on three nothing actually. Yeah, I'm gonna go three one. I think Wofford have a goal in them. They, they, Wofford plays some okay attacking football. They, uh, can they score. did put Sorry yeah, can they score. did score five. <laughs> it's true. They scored five. So we'll go back to Saturday, early in the morning, set your watches. If you're in California, it's four thirty. The Manchester Derby is at seven thirty Eastern time on Saturday. This is going to be a good one. Because this is another one of these things where is it like, is Cristiano Ronaldo going to save Ole like a drowning child? I actually don't think Ole gets fired if they lose to the City team. If they lose 2-0, man, if City blows them out of the water, I think that could be it. Because it's going to be at Old Trafford. So last time they were at Old Trafford, and you know, so what do you think? I'm going to actually go out on a limb here and say that they're going to lose 3-0 at Old Trafford. This is United. I think City will win three nothing. Two nothing. Two nothing. But City definitely win. I mean, the, the likes of Diaz and you know if Laporte plays or if or if it's Walker or if, you know will be Walker and uh, I don't know who, who who's their other wing back. They play up. I don't know if they play a Cancelo. four or three. Cancelo. I don't know. But either way, they're better than Spurs. So and they have a much better, much better midfield, much better, much better, much 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 better. So I think they'll just be able to uh, deal with Harry Maguire and uh, whatever whatever happens in the in Man United's midfield. Uh, so yeah, uh, two nothing, two nothing for me, Man City. Two nothing, and I overlooked this, but two things: there's going to be Champions League this week, so that will play an effect as both these teams will probably have to. Playing that. And then also, this week actually starts on Friday, so we're going to go back in time a little bit. We have Southampton, Aston Villa. I just think Southampton aren't that great, and I think Aston Villa might be a little bit better, but this is definitely up for a mini-back game of the week, as is also a great game, the Manchester Derby. But I'm going to go with Aston Villa over the, on this, and honestly, they're both right next to each other on the table, so that's why I think it's going to be a mini-bat. I'm going to go 0-0, just burn your eyes out. I'm gonna, hoping it's going to be Aston Villa 2 Southampton zero with Aston Villa, Ollie Watkins scoring two goals because I picked him up in fantasy this week. It's fantasy driven. Sorry, everyone. That's fine. Life should be fantasy driven. 
Uh, the next game is Brentford Norwich City. This is the game where you have the two teams that have come up in relegation. One of them, is, uh, sorry, come up in promotion. One of them is already going to get relegated, which is Norwich. I do not see a way around that. And Brentford is going to probably be competitive and finish somewhere between 10th and 14th. So I got Brentford on this. I just think that they are a much better team, and they're also going to be playing at home. So I'm going to go 2 nothing Brentford. Agree. Easy. Next game, Chelsea against Burnley, and it is at home. I think we beat them 3 nothing. We are in very good form, and it's very difficult to score goals against Chelsea currently. I'd argue we have one of the best defenses in Europe, probably top five. And Burnley is, unfortunately, just not on the same level, so I'm going to go 3 nothing. They're going to do a little bit of a rotation because Chelsea's playing Champions League. But you know what? Doesn't matter. Chelsea's really good. Uh, uh, did you see uh, Reece James' two goals? I mean, the guy's freaking... <laughs> Unbelievable. They were, they were, they were, they were, he literally used both his feet to score both the goals, like, you know, left foot, right foot. And the craziest thing about Reese James scoring those goals and Chilwell, he's been scoring goals too, is that right now, and this was like a thing we shared on footy, Reese James and Chilwell have seven goals in the domestic league, and Neymar and Messi only have five in the French league. So, also, those two, those two guys didn't even start on the English team. They didn't play one minute. They didn't play one minute. One minute during in all the Euros. of. In the earth. Which is insane to me. Which is still actually makes me uncomfortable. Because, whatever. Anyway. So, next game, Crystal Palace-Wolves. This is going to be at Selhurst Park, a.k.a. AFC Richmond. Crystal Palace has been playing very well. I want to say that. They beat City, which I thought to be very impressive. And I think this is actually going to be another one of the games of the week. Because I think Wolves is also playing well. And City isn't, sorry, let me rephrase that. Crystal Palace isn't necessarily playing well. I think that they can be very competitive when they want to be. Wolves, however, I do believe is actually playing well. They're, they've had a better run of form. So I'm going to go 2-2 tie, potentially game of the week. I think Wolves are going to edge them out 3-2. Jimenez on a brace. I, I'm loving that Jimenez is playing well, scoring goals. I never thought he'd play again, so I eat my words completely, and I love that he's back, and he's also looked good with Mexico when he plays, which is a detriment to all U.S. men national team fans, but good on him for getting back and being able to play. I, I agree with your potential. That's a, also a good scoreline. So, uh, Brighton Hove and Newcastle. This one seems to be an open and shut case. It is going to be at the Amex. Brighton has been very fun to watch this, this year. I, I've got them on 2 nothing over Newcastle. Newcastle are in shambles at the back. Bad defense, just not good. Uh, I'm going to go Brighton 3, Newcastle 1. Callum Wilson has a goal in him. Oh, guy, guy always has a goal in him. The next game we're going to look at is your team, the Spoizies, against your other favorite team, Everton. This will be played on Sunday morning, 9 a.m. Eastern time. Well, Jeff, what do you think? Everton's been in a rough patch. So has Spurs. Conte might be at the helm for this one. You guys are right next to each other in the table. But the table, once again, is so tight, right, that if Spurs win, other things remain equal. Like, you know, Manchester United loses, Arsenal loses. You guys are all of a sudden in fifth from ninth. So I think a win here is probably what you need, but it's not going to be an easy Everton team. And it's also Goodison, and I just personally do not like playing at Goodison Park. Yeah, for that reason alone, I'm going to say – 2-2 two, two draw. If it's a 2-2 two, two draw, it has potential to be one of the games of the week. 
because it will be well played. I feel like people are going to want, you know, Conte to come in, which he'll he'll be announced tomorrow. Uh, so we'll have Tuesday through Saturday. But he also has a midweek game, so he's got to manage that. They're playing some, I don't know, Scandinavian or Hungarian farm league team. Uh, but, yeah, they got to manage that. And then, so, but people will expect that Spurs under Conte will suddenly win a game. I think people will need to curb their expectations and be satisfied with just getting a point. So that's my that's my analysis. I agree. Okay. Next game is Leeds Leicester. This is going to be an interesting one because I think both teams are on the struggle bus. Leeds currently sits in seventeenth, so they're right above the relegation, and Leicester's in eleventh. A team that was really never outside the top five all last season. I thought they were some of the most consistent football being played. So, what do you hear? What What do you think in this? Leeds just won a game this past week. It was an exciting win. It was a big win for them. This game is going to be played at Ellen Road, which definitely helps Leeds. But I feel like Leicester really need this win. I also have Daka on my fantasy after he scored four in Europa. So, what do you think? Leicester have a midweek game. They got a Europa game on Wednesday or Thursday. I'm not really sure. I don't know if that will play much into it. They make like three or four subs every time they play a midweek game. It's against a Leeds team with a struggling defense, I think, especially without Ailing playing or him him being on, you know, borderline fit. And they're bringing in young kids and trying them out and stuff. And Leeds needs needs to score points. I I don't see this Leicester team. So Leicester got unlucky last last week. I think that they deserved a couple goals, uh, even though that they couldn't come up with one. I think, but they won the week before. So I, Vardy hasn't been doing a lot, but he's he's he pulls them out. I you know what? I'm gonna go two two draw. I know that's safe, but that's what I got. That's what I'm thinking. I'll go with that. This, along with the Everton Tottenham, the Crystal Palace Wolves, and the Manchester United Man City, which I think are all going to be phenomenal games. This is another game that I think could be really phenomenal because both teams play fun, expansive football. They attack, and they've got some exciting players. So this could be another game of the week. And I agree, 2-2. I think it's safe, but also 2-2 would be exciting. That's a lot of goals for, for, for one football game. The final game of this week is probably going to be the game of the week because it is going to be West Ham, which we've talked about a little bit tonight. They're going to be home hosting Liverpool, who right now, I dare to say, have the best top three in the world and the best pound-for-pound attacking player other than Lewandowski and Mo Salah. So what are you thinking here? Because Liverpool's on the road. Playing at London against West Ham isn't the easiest. I'm going to give my prediction. I'm going to go... And this obviously is going to help Chelsea, but I'm going to go West Ham one nothing, um, which I think is a crazy call, and I don't actually think that's going to happen. That's what I want to happen. What I think will happen is I think Liverpool will actually win three one. So I think Liverpool win three one, but I want a one nothing West Ham result. We're not talking about a West Ham team that's really dominating teams, in the sense that except for basically last week, which was a little you got to take that with a grain of salt because they they played a bad Aston Villa team. On a red card. Uh, but West Ham, I just keep going back to I just keep going back to the Spurs game. They didn't look that good against Spurs. Against a Spurs team that like, you know, has some quality, but they should have, you know, an Antonio goal that was uh, I don't know. He just he he it was basically 
Antonio muscled Regulon or somebody off the ball and scored. But either way, I think Liverpool, I just, <laughs> they're much, much better than this West Ham team. Just like as a team, you know, I, Declan Rice is good. I get it. You know, Antonio shows up every once in a while and scores a goal. He's good. Uh, ben Rahm is okay. But Liverpool, they <laughs> Mane, Salah, and either Jota or Firmino, depending on who they put in there. They really, it's really interchangeable at this point. And they score goals. They score tons of goals. Henderson's solid. You know, they got Trent Alexander-Arnold giving them deliveries, service in the box. I don't know. I just don't. I just don't see Liverpool losing this game. They're too good. Oh, too totally. Good. Like I said, I want like Christmas to come early and somehow West Ham wins one nothing. But I think Liverpool will win three. Plus, this is this is. This is a week where where I think that West Ham will play the Europa League game that will actually hurt them for their Premier League game where Liverpool actually can rotate a little bit more and have fresher legs for West Ham. Might make a difference. I think that's probably true. I think that's definitely true. So let's go ahead and look at fantasy super quick. Mac Bruce sent me a screenshot between the games this week and between the Saturday and Sunday games because he went to the top of fantasy and he wanted to send me a screenshot to prove that he had been at the top of fantasy. But by the end of the week, he was back in second with Jamie Becker leading the way with 649 points. Mac is now in second and Mitch is in third. I am the highest up I've been this season. You are sitting in fifth. I am in eighth. You want to know who made the biggest jump of the week? Your boy right here because he scored the most points in fantasy this week, of did, all yeah, the teams, and everybody else barely cracked forty. I had a good week, and I sh- went from tenth to fifth. So, boom! You had a very good week. I went up to eighth, which I'm happy with. If I ever get in the top three, that might be it. I might just go out like that. That's it. You know, I'll just close down my fantasy. But moving forward, next week. Big games. I think there's honestly, uh, this is actually probably the most exciting week I think we've had this far because the West Ham Liverpool's fire. Everton Tottenham, I think, is also going to be good. Leeds Leicester, I think, is going to be good. Crystal Palace Wolves, I think, is going to be good. And the Manchester Derby is going to be great. What happens, just to go back to Manchester Derby, what, what, what does it take for that to lead to Ole getting fired? It's not going to happen this week, regardless of they get blown out or they don't. There's nobody to bring in that's better right now. Spurs got Conte. Who else is there? Are they gonna get? Are they gonna steal Brendan Rodgers? Are they gonna steal Graham Potter? What are they? What, what are they gonna do? They're Who are they gonna, gonna wait? They're gonna wait. The Revolution win the MLS Cup, and then they're gonna get Bruce Arena. Dude, Bruce Arena. That's it. Legend. Yep. <laughs> go Revs. Well, go Revs. Uh, Jeff, I think that's it. Yeah, I don't got much else. Uh, you guys, people haven't sent us any bolos. No, no bolo <laughs> pendants. Do you? I mean, pendants of the bolos. I wake up. I check like, the mail. Wait. Yeah, you. You're like wait for the mailman. You're like any bolos today, sir? He's like, no, go inside. <laughs> I check my uh, Instagram messages just all day, just checking. Just I don't have notifications on because it'd be it'd be madness. So I'm actually going into the app and looking at my messages and then ha- s- like set them sad one tier because nobody's messaged me and then just being super disappointed well on the way out if you would please dj play the jamie Carragher clip 
because as you said, Spurs lives in his fret. No, his God, you got that wrong. Free. It's not ja- Jamie Carragher. It's Jamie Redknapp. Oh my God, Jamie Redknapp. How could I confuse them? Their accents are actually very different. Uh, Jamie Redknapp, who, like Spurs, as you said, lives in his head rent-free. I think that he's <laughs> spot on, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, um, you you be the judge. I mean, hit us up if you uh, agree or disagree. I know, I know, John will disagree with something we said today. I mean, fuck, right, right. <laughs> God damn, dude. <laughs> He's listening to this somewhere giggling. Anyways, uh, ciao. Ciao. They now have to get this one right. You know, and if they can get Antonio Conte, you know, I've spoken to a few of my friends that are are massive Tottenham fans, they'll be delighted with that. But it doesn't mean that straight away he's going to get it right. You know, you might have to be really patient, but you can't, one thing you can't keep doing is sacking managers left, right and centre every time it doesn't go right. And especially when you've got a manager and you give him four months. What... What chance have you got? Every every manager deserves a little bit of time, at least. You know, it's not, you know, the, the football hasn't been good. I get that, but it hasn't been good for a few years now. So you'd have at least let him get his, you know, get his feet under the table and try his best to put implement the system and the players that he wants, or maybe giving him a couple of transfer windows. But I don't think Daniel, as much as he's got a director of football there, in the past he's always picked the players, and, and I think that's a major problem. Thanks for listening to the Boys and Bolos podcast. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Patreon, Twitch, at Boys and Bolos. If you'd like to be a guest, please reach out. You can hit us on any of the social media accounts that Jeff just mentioned or email us directly at boysandbolos at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and see you next time.